Hello, and welcome to Codish, an exploration of the lives of modern developers. Join us as we dive into topics like languages and frameworks, data and event-driven architectures, and individual and team productivity, all tailored to developers and engineering leaders. This episode is part of our Deeply Technical series. Hello, welcome to Codish. I'm Chris Castle. I'm a developer advocate for Heroku. And today we've got a great community-focused episode for you. Codish recently went to GopherCon 2019 in sunny San Diego, where Salesforce Engineering was a sponsor. We wanted to capture small conversations from lots of different Go community members and then share those out to you and others who maybe weren't able to attend GopherCon. But we had so many great conversations that we had to split this into two episodes. Part one includes conversations from GopherCon speakers like Carolyn Van Slyke, Jessica Lucci, some workshop instructors, and some others. So let's kick off part one. We'll start with a fun story from a software engineering leader at Mattel. Uh, yes, the toy company Mattel, who are using Go with their Hot Wheels cars. My name is Nick Jarakinis. I'm the director of software engineering at Mattel. I uh, work on the Mattel Connected Product Platform team, and we basically support all of Mattel's connected products, whether whether you're working on Hot Wheels ID and building, you know, digital play and physical play experiences, or controlling, you know, your Smart Connect, uh, Fisher Price, Rock and Play Swing. Uh, what sort of Go services are like? How does Go relate to all of this? Why yeah. are you at GopherCon? Go is is really is the lifeblood of of all of our connected products. Yeah. Um, all of the backend services, whether it be authentication and parental controls to uh, product catalog and product instance information, knowing what devices uh, an account is interacting with and configuring, um, as well as you know, a, a lot of core gameplay mechanics. You know, how do we store and track the number of meters that a car has traveled on a Hot Wheels ID set? Yeah. Um, all of that's powered by Go backend systems. Yeah. I feel like we need video to, to do this justice <laughs> and to show what show the listeners or the viewers what what you're actually doing here. We'll, maybe we'll include a link to a, I'm sure we a photo or something like that. Definitely. Or a short video. <laughs> um, but wait, we were playing with right before we were chatting here. We were playing with um, the Mattel cars through the loop. And what are all the the pieces called? There's the portal. Yeah. So uh, Hot Wheels ID <laughs> is. It's, it's a new play experience for Hot Wheels cars. Yeah. The idea is that each car has an NFC tag, which means that it's both uniquely identifiable and can accrue its own stats. So now you know how many miles your car has traveled or yeah. how many times it's traveled through a track. So the smart track is able to uh, connect and understand its own configuration. So it knows if you have the portal piece and then immediately after the portal piece, which is also the launcher, uh, the loop, and then a turn, and so forth. So the game itself allows you to have different challenges and modes based on the configuration of the track, as well as just sort of open free play with, you know, a car. Yeah, and then yeah. and then so that track, uh, each track connects to a mobile device or, or a tablet or something like that over Bluetooth, yeah. and then the tablet then communicates to these services that you've built and that, your team has built in the cloud, right? That's correct. Yeah. The portal itself is not Wi-Fi enabled. It connects via Bluetooth to a mobile device, a tablet, a phone. Um, in theory, it could connect to a computer, I guess, but that's not the mechanic that we've implemented so far. Yeah. Our OTA services, account management services. What's OTA, sorry? OTA stands for over the air. That's oh, how we like deliver firmware updates, updates yeah. Yeah, okay. to the, both the portal and to the individual tracks yep. because the tracks themselves, they have... Uh, chips in them right. to 
you know, yeah. both connect to other track pieces and have that that data bus that understands what's going on when the kid's playing with the when the person is playing with the set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. person, <laughs> adult or kid or you'd be surprised. Whoever. Yeah, there's uh, there's cool. this whole world of treasure hunting. It's yeah, it's a it's an interesting community. All the kids can play with their own cars, um, bring them to each other's houses on each other's tracks and race them and play games against each other. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. They're, We've purposefully avoided having any real concept of uh, technology-backed trading mm -hmm. because we these cars they're they're entirely the same shape and size and weight as any other Hot Wheels car. So yeah. you can trade them, play with them, use them on the older other track sets. You can take cars from Walmart or Target or anywhere else that you get them and play with them on this track yeah. as well. It doesn't really require anything special. You just unlock these additional benefits for the, the cars that have the NFC tags yeah. on the, the track that can, you know, scan them. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, well, that's great. Nice to nice to hear about that stuff. It's pretty exciting to see, like, cool integrations of the physical world and especially play with the software cloud services world. And that's really it. Hot Wheels idea and some of the upcoming products that I, I can't necessarily talk about, they really do yeah. represent uh, a lot of thought and time put into how can we create the best experience that isn't limiting? You know, how can we allow kids yep. to have open play and have this imaginative, creative experience that isn't just, oh, now I can only do this one segment of this this mobile game or this map that yep. a developer has implemented. Um, so yeah, I'm, cool. I'm really excited for the next year into, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a cool time. My name is Robert Ross. People like to call me Bobby Tables after the XKCD comic. Nice. And that's what my Twitter handle is. Is, is Bobby Tables the flip tables? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that's the SQL injection one. Oh, Bobby, little Bobby little Tables Bob, with semicolon. Robert Drop, Robert yeah. Table yeah. Students. Yeah. yeah, okay. Uh, so that's my my nickname. It's my GitHub handle, the Twitter, Okay. All, all of the other ones as well. Cool, cool. Uh, and so what do you, how does your company or what do you use Go for? Uh, so we're using Go at Fire Hydrant for... Uh, our Kubernetes integration and also just CLI tools that we build for developer tools for ourselves. Cool. Um, so we're, we've built things for local development so we can build Docker Compose files uh, like kind of on the fly so we don't have one giant Docker Compose file. We'll yeah, just have gotcha. something that kind of pushes a file together for yeah. us and things yeah. like that. Cool. What's your favorite thing about the Go language or, or community or the conference? Uh, I think my favorite thing about the language is that I can build a portable binary and in less than like 50 lines that actually does something useful. Yeah. Um, I like using it for like manipulating data locally I, and you can do some really quick things that provide a lot of value with not a lot of code. Yeah. And that can be used on a Windows machine, a, a, a Linux machine, a right. Mac, and yeah. that's awesome for me. Yeah, you don't need the stack of supporting packages and libraries and everything Correct. like yeah. other programming languages yeah. often do. Yeah, and cool. there's not a lot of syntax to do a lot, which I also really appreciate. Hi, so my name is Jessica Lucci, and I'm an infrastructure engineer at GitHub. What brought you to GitHub, or what, what has been your, your history through this world of software engineering? <laughs> Oh, it's been a long and colorful history. Yeah. So I, I started uh, way, ways ago as a full stack engineer um, and got an opportunity to work in ops. And I found that I liked building tools uh, for other developers more than I liked building products for customers. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. So that was kind of my uh, gateway experience into the ops world. Yeah. And I've been doing that for a while now. And GitHub was just a next logical step on the path. because. 
all they do is, uh, you know, their whole platform is for building developers. things for developers. Yeah, so, yeah great, cool. Uh, yeah. So what's your talk at GopherCon going to cover and what's, yeah, what's your elevator pitch to get people excited <laughs> about it? We've been working for the past uh, almost half a year now on standardizing how we use different programming languages at GitHub. And the reason we got into that was that uh, we all like to move quickly at GitHub, but we were finding that it was becoming increasingly more difficult to switch between different projects uh, efficiently. And a lot of that was because we didn't have standards around um, how we structured projects or what libraries we used. And so it was causing a whole slew of issues, which I will cover in fun detail at my talk. Yeah. Um, but it prompted us to do this like wide sweeping effort to rework a lot of that. Um, and so the talk will be going over how we reworked it and kind of what we learned in the process. Yeah. Um, and there'll be fun pictures too. So cool. What's, what's, what's an example of just like one of the things that you're standardizing, right? There's lots of things that yeah. could be standardized. It could be like indentation, <laughs> right? Which I guess skill format takes care of to lots of other things. Like what's one yeah. example? Oh man, I could spend all day on like code <laughs> formatting. Yeah. I mean, I know like Go is opinionated, but I am also opinionated. Yeah. So it's, right. it's a perfect match. <laughs> um, but I think one of the cool things we're standardizing is uh, how we do versioning of Go modules. Okay. So we previously were doing vendoring. Um, so modules are very new to us, and we're still figuring out how yeah, they fit into our, yeah, yeah, right, right. our ecosystem. But by switching over to them, we're working on um, consolidating on a given set of versions now that we can like pin versions, mm, but yep. also building systems so that we can push out updates to any projects using those versioned uh, modules. Uh, okay. So that helps us because if there's a um, security flaw or something in right, a library right. and we like patch it. Like a vulnerability it, or CV yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're also using that system to provide other like org-wide updates. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like a cool thing in general, but yeah. versioning is a difficult thing to do correctly. So yeah. that's what we're working on. Yeah. I know lots of uh, different languages and different package managers have struggled with building yeah. the perfect <laughs> the perfect way to do versioning of dependencies. If, if there is one. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm uh, Tim. I uh, work for Gopher Guides, and uh, we do corporate trainings uh, in the Go programming language for uh, different companies. And we also uh, do uh, workshops at conferences such as GopherCon. We did the, the testing workshop uh, yesterday. How'd that go? Did you have a good... A good turnout or lots of excited uh, lots of excited gopher learners? Uh, gophers. Uh, yeah. We uh, have a lot of gophers that, that can now test their applications better, which is, yeah. which is always great. We love, yeah. we love testing. That's cool. What would you say is your your reason for coming to GopherCon? Did you come to learn, come to share your passion, come to meet people? I really uh, like to, to come to GopherCon to uh, engage with the community. and I've been coming to, to GopherCon for five or six years now. I've been, yeah. been to all of them, so you, all right, cool. you see a lot of a lot of old friends and uh, yeah. a, lot of, uh, a lot of new friends, and it's great to um, help introduce new members of the community to uh, other people and yeah. help grow our, our community that much more. So how long have you been uh, kind of figured out that you enjoy the, like, the teaching aspect of helping developers learn? I'd say in the past year, I've really started to get more into teaching and uh, I'd organized meetups in the, the past and uh, it's fun to learn uh, more about uh, how to teach these, teach these things effectively, to others. Yeah. yeah, how to build a curriculum and like 
connect with with different people who learn different ways. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm sure that's not not easy to do, but it's cool to have people that are excited about you know, like you know expanding the the population of gophers and the different types of, of gophers out there. So yeah, that's cool. My name's Jay McGarren. I'm the author of uh, Head First Go, published uh, just this year by O'Reilly. What's your favorite thing about the Go language or community? Well, this might be a little bit of a boring answer, but <laughs> I like the stability uh, of ah, the language. Right. Uh, Russ Cox was uh, giving his uh, keynote yesterday, and he talked a lot about the iterative loop that they go through before introducing new features, how they test everything very okay. carefully to make yeah. sure that it works. I like a language that's nice and stable where they're not uh, doing like Python and splitting their community in half with yeah. a major version upgrade, for example. They're largely over that problem, but yeah, it right. caused it was a, a big issue. Yeah, two, seven to three something. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I like that Go is being very careful about how they uh, proceed through their upgrade paths. Yeah. So, so well, let's, can you talk about a little bit about what, what you were here doing on Wednesday at GopherCon? Yeah. So I was here to uh, teach an introductory uh, workshop. Went pretty good, I'd have to say. Got nice. about uh, 50 attendees in there. That's great. Uh, all had a really good all time. New, all beginners starting to learn Go? All beginners, okay. yeah. Uh, some of them came in a little more experienced than I expected yeah. them to, but I think they uh, still had a pretty good time. So. Nice. That's cool. Uh, so what is what would you say, uh, you know, as, as an educator of Go, someone who's taught Go, what's the best way to get started learning Go or to get into Go? Well, thank you for that uh, perfect <laughs> setup for plugging my book because I am quite fond of uh, Head First Go uh, as a tutorial, especially for those who don't have a whole lot of experience uh, developing in other languages. If you are coming uh, to go from another programming language and yeah. you're feeling pretty uh, confident in what more of a reference book you might want to look at, uh, my competitor, uh, the Go programming language. Mm, okay. um, yeah, a re really solid reference book. Are those both O'Reilly books? Uh, no, I am sorry, but I forget the publisher okay, yeah. for the Go But yours is from O'Reilly? Yeah, mine yep. is from O'Reilly. Cool. Yep. Yeah, so. that's interesting. Go is not my first programming language, and so um, I found it really helpful to whenever I learn a new language, it doesn't have to be Go, to find the tutorial that kind of is like Go for Rubyists or Go for JavaScripters or Go for people that come from Python because it helps, um, like instead of the, the concepts being explained kind of in an, in an academic and theoretical and kind of sterile way for, mm -hmm. for the, the new language, provides like a nice bridge of like, oh, this concept in Ruby is similar to this concept in Go. Do you do any of that in, in your book? Or are you more kind of just like starting from scratch? Like you don't need any experience in any programming language. You can you can learn to be a gopher. No, I am very much starting from scratch. Ideally, yes, when you come to Head First Go, you have programmed a little bit before. Yeah. But we've got hooks for those with absolutely no uh, programming experience. We do explain what a variable is. We do explain what a function is and so forth. So. I'm Carolyn Manslike. Uh, I live out of Chicago and I work remotely for Microsoft on the Azure team. But I don't do anything with Microsoft or Azure, so I'm a terrible <laughs> <All right>. employee. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. They, they think you're valuable in some way. Yeah, they like so what, you. I, what I do do is I work on open source developer tools. So, for example, a lot of people on my team work on things like Helm, uh, yeah. Draft, yep. Brigade. And so what I work on is something called Porter, which is uh, for cloud-native application bundles, which is completely new, yep. and no one knows what it is. All right. But what it lets you do is it makes cloud installers. 
Ah, okay. So if you wanted to bundle up everything it takes to install your application on the cloud, yeah. not just the Docker image, but uh, uh, maybe your Terraform scripts yeah. and uh, maybe your, Interesting. your okay. the Helm client actually as well. Everything you need to make it repeatable, reliable, yeah. and a single click. Yeah. That's what Porter is. That's cool. Okay, is this part of the, it's part of the Cloud Native Computing Foundation? Is it one of the projects kind of under that umbrella? Uh, so CNAV is a spec. Okay. And specs don't quite live in CNCF. Ah, okay, okay. So it's part of the Linux Foundation. Yeah. But Porter may eventually move into CNCF. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. All right. If we can make something work, that'd be yeah. pretty cool. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, and so what you just gave a talk about CLIs. Can you I share a little did, bit more about yeah. that and what you talked about? My work on Porter was my one chance to make the perfect CLI. Yeah. Pretty much. I'd made a bunch of CLIs in the past where my hands were kind of tied because I kind of wrote it uh, with people who had other opinions or half of it was written already. And I was new. I wasn't the lead on the project. Well, Porter, I was the lead on the project. Yeah. And I got you to kind to of go. I'd done it horribly <laughs> in the past. I'd yeah. committed atrocities. Let's do it right. And what do I mean by let's do it right? Oftentimes, it was just kind of written with the idea that we needed to like implement functionality, but we weren't quite thinking about what would it feel like to the user as they were typing it? How would we make it really easy for them to accomplish a task? Yeah. We weren't really focused on that. We were yeah. just like, we need to get this functionality out there. Right. So instead, we started with I want commands that I can say out loud. Yeah. I want commands that'll make it really easy to do like that single click install. Yep. And it would do all the things for you. Maybe not just the things that are associated what we think of as part of our domain of doing, say, Porter. So if we need to do hard stuff with OpenSSL, or we need to do weird gnarly things that normally we'd like say, oh, that's fine, the user can just pipe that. Yeah. No, no, we don't get to like push that off and right. make that their problem. You don't problem. get to say, that's not my job. No, Yeah. it has to be part of our thing. Yeah. Our goal was that anything that was hard has to just be one command mm -hmm. that you can say out loud I and you can it. understand and remember. Yeah, that's great. That focus on UX is one of my passions also user experience or developer experience for for this these kinds of tools is like be let's think about that person first and what they're trying to achieve and not just kind of you know exposing maybe a nice wrapper around API endpoints yeah exactly nothing was allowed to be code gen you could write code gen but then everything had to be artisanal small batch yeah. you know right. kind of finishing touches spoke. exactly <laughs> that go around it and then the other piece is that all of the code had to be maintainable, not just by me, because what if I leave? What if I grow in my career and I decide to do something different? Yeah. I don't want the tool to kind of languish. Yeah. Okay. I want it to be in a state where anyone on my team who knows Go would be comfortable picking up and working on this. Yeah. And, and oftentimes what happens is with a CLI, there are uh, frameworks for example, Cobra or Viper or a couple other things yep. that are intimidating to people who aren't familiar with it. Yep. So one of the things I did with Porter is I made an opportunity, I took an opportunity essentially to isolate them into very limited pieces of the code base and push them into packages where 99% of the code base has nothing to do with them. Hmm. They're not like littered about. So if you work on Porter, you just see normal Go code everywhere, and you don't realize it's a CLI. Hmm. Okay. And That's it makes cool. it extremely easy to test. Yeah. Because you don't have to know how to test Cobra. Yeah. You don't need to know how to set up 
uh, the right kind of structures to work with Viper. Yeah. You just need to know how to make a regular ghost structure. Yeah. Feed it into a normal uh, struct that's called Porter. Yep. And then run it. Yeah. And it does just what you think it should do, and it kind of works like anything else you could run on, say, like the Go Playground. Right. And then um, you're done. And yeah. it, no one has any excuse to not work on it. Yeah, essentially, that's on my cool. Team. It sounds like nice. I mean. In many ways, it sounds like, uh, not to belittle it all, but it sounds like nice abstraction, right? So it's like, I can jump into this one one piece and understand it, and I don't need to understand all of, you know, the very high-level stuff or the very low-level stuff or st stuff on the sides also yeah. just to work on one piece. Yeah, I didn't say it in the talk, but there's a little bit of stealth dependency injection going on uh, and right, other, nice. like, words that yeah. maybe people don't want to think about or yeah. associate with Go, yeah. but... It's there. <laughs> cool, cool. I love it. That's how you get ideas to grow in, in, in getting people to support them. You kind of just introduce them slightly and see how people respond and, and then go from there. Yeah. Yeah, cool. All right, and that's it for part one. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the second part where we chat with day two keynote opener Aaron Schlesinger, GopherCon keynote closer Johnny Borsico, Liz Rice from Aqua Security, and Biang Lu from Sourcegraph, who provided live blogging for all of the GopherCon talks this year. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Codish podcast. Codish is produced by Heroku, the easiest way to deploy, manage, and scale your applications in the cloud. If you'd like to learn more about Codish or any of Heroku's podcasts, please visit heroku.com slash podcasts.